listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 65, if you can believe that, of the Testudo Times Podcast, where it's one of those weeks where we have a lot of stuff to talk about, but we can't go really in-depth into most of them because there's not much in-depth talk we can do with these topics. You'll see what I mean in a bit. Ryan is back. Uh, hi, Ryan. Hello. How are we today? Again, been better, but, you know, what can we do? If you if you had to sit down and watch Maryland, Nebraska, which I actually didn't do, you're, you're surprisingly chipper for somebody who probably did sit down and watch Maryland, Nebraska. Well, I, I did, but um, again, you know, it wasn't. It was. It was just a boring game. It wasn't. It wasn't a. Not nothing about it was brutal. I don't think it was just. It was just boring. It was. It was over early. It was on ESPN News. There's a reason it was on ESPN News. Just saying. Uh, Thomas is also here. Hello, Thomas. How's it going? And could be better. Could be worse. Uh, let's get to all of these topics. It is our pre-Thanksgiving show, so we want to get in as much as we can. Uh, we're recording this Monday night of the week of Thanksgiving. We want to get in as much as we can before Thanksgiving comes around, and we'll really start to get into more stuff, I would say, next week. Uh, we'll start with football, and again, Maryland lost to Nebraska. I don't think anybody's surprised by that. Maryland is now 0-2 against backup quarterbacks this year. Doesn't necessarily bode well for Rutgers, but the most interesting story of the week, Ryan, is who is starting at quarterback, and it was Max Bortenschlager, and when I saw this, I woke up a little bit late, but when I saw this, I just, just went, what? Why do you think this happened? And what does this say about Maryland's quarterbacks that this happened? I mean, I was obviously, I was as surprised as anyone, um, and there was there was no reason to think that Max Bortenschlager would start, because we hadn't heard anything about him since he played against Howard and there was just nothing. There was pretty much nothing to know. Um, but I'd say, why did they start him? I think there could be a couple different reasons. I mean, obviously if Perry Hills was healthy, he would have started. That's, I think that's, that's just a given right there. But I think it was a combination of, I'm guessing he had a pretty good week of practice and the coaching staff is pretty intent. They've been driving home this point that, Hey, Whoever has the best week of practice is going to play. Uh, Tino Ellis started over J.C. Jackson. We're all like, oh, no, what happened to J.C. Jackson? And after the game, they're like, nope, they, Tino just had a better week of practice. And, I mean, for what it's worth, I, I believe that that was the reason. And, um, I, you know, with Bortenschlager, there's a call, he could have – D.J. Durkin could have tried to, be, tried to be proving a point to the rest of his quarterbacks by saying, look, like, you know, and anyone can start. But um, – I don't know. I'm guessing he. They've always been pretty, you know. The they've 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 really stressed this competition thing, and I imagine. I mean, you know, if pair if Tyrell Pigram or Caleb Burrow had, you know, if they had more success in any of the starts they had, then maybe they would have got the nod against Nebraska. But um, you know, I think Bordenfrager just had a good week of practice, and they were like, well, he hasn't started yet, so you know, let's let's see what he can do. I. I I kind of understand this, and then yet again, I don't. I don't understand the proving the point thing, first of all, because Caleb Rowe and Perry Hills are gone after this season. Maybe it's a point to Pigram, but, you know, I mean, when we considered our quarterback depth chart, what was he, fourth? 
you know, it says a Four, lot. Fourth about, or fifth. It says a lot about where you are in your season. And again, it was a game that they were going to lose anyway. So I guess there's also a bit of what do you have to lose? Although part of me is asking, well, then why didn't you do that against Michigan and Ohio State anyway? Uh, um, also, know. I will say, Caleb Rowe was um, apparently I've, apparently he was out with an undisclosed injury also. Which would so make I think more sense. That that means that it was either him or Pigram. And, you know, P- Pigram's struggled in the time that we've seen him, which, again, they're both just true freshmen. And I don't you know, maybe we thought maybe Pigram would play this season. Uh, you know, Bordenfrager, I don't think anyone thought he was going to play this season. So how did he play for somebody who barely watched the game for obvious reasons? <laughs> I mean, he he looked like a true freshman. If we're being if we're being brutally honest, um, he wasn't out there making bad decisions. Particularly, he wasn't. I, I wouldn't say he was out there doing anything particularly noticeably bad, um, which I guess is not exactly a striking compliment. But um, I mean, he. Maryland, Maryland's offense looked, you know, the same as it did against Ohio State and Michigan, which is to say they couldn't move the ball at all. And, you know, they got they got lucky with the one um, DJ Moore, 92-yard, just ridiculous catch and run where he broke, like, six different tackles, and I still can't really process how he did it. But, uh, you know, in the end, um, you know, Nebraska's a good team, and they have a pretty good defense. And asking any starting quarter, any true freshman to go out there, uh, you know, the result's probably not going to be good. But with Rowe and Hills out, it was either going to be a true freshman or a redshirt freshman. And Gage Schaefer seems like he's kind of the last rung in the depth chart. So, uh, you know, that's that, that's what happens when you start a true freshman against a good team. And, you know, there's that's that's just kind of where Maryland's at right now. Anything to add, Thomas? I doubt there is, but that was the only thing interesting from this game to take away. Because everybody, even if Maryland was fully healthy and had all of their players not injured or suspended, they still would have lost. But anything else you want to add to this? I would like to add that Wade Lees is one for one in his career. (laughs) Five passing yards and a 142 rating. Every single one of his passes has gone for a first down. This I'll is add great that, news. Um, this is great news yeah, because, you is. know what, we might reach the point where Maryland's going to have to have a punter at quarterback. Who knows? Yeah, you never know. I think he might still be behind Shane Cockrell in the depth chart, but uh, that's a part of the depth chart that they don't release to the public for, for obvious reasons. Uh-huh. Um, that's that's a plumbing so, depth. You know, I will say for this week's depth chart, Perry Hills is listed as the starter. He was listed last week. And obviously wasn't ready to go. Um, they they, well, they are they are making Perry Hills available to the media this week, which they haven't done in any week that he hasn't played, which is maybe worth noting. Maybe it means nothing. They're also making Will Likely available, and he's obviously not playing. But go on, Thomas. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, those two it's are all seniors, seniors, right? And it's senior day. Yeah. So well, it's all seniors. For yeah. This week. I think uh, I don't have the list in front of me, but it is six seniors that they sent out. Yes. Um, along with all the coaches. So, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll have a chance to talk to Barry about, you know, whatever it is. But, but yeah, I think really just that and how the running game just couldn't get anything going again. Um, their yeah. longest rush play was 11 yards. And, you know. They fi- and then they finished that, with 11 total yards, which. Yes. 
Th- thanks to some uh, Bordenschlager technically had negative 22, which is just an, you know, when from s- scrambles or from just Sacks. whatever. Sacks. Yeah. 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 And so when, yeah, it, it, it's not like usually a noticeable difference when a team has 150 yards, like 20 yards of sacks makes it drops it down to 130. But when a team has 30 yards of rushing, 20 yards of sacks makes it 10. Yeah. So, noticeable. It is definitely noticeable. So, we've now reached the point where Maryland's brutal run of death is over, and they scored 13 points. Rutgers, in their brutal run of death, scored none. This game against Rutgers is one of the most bizarre games of football, and, you know, as Maryland fans and students and media, we have covered some bizarre games of football in our... But this one's very bizarre, I will say, because Rutgers is... Just incredibly garbage. The bad Maryland teams that the Terps have had in past years are nowhere near as bad as this Rutgers team, and I can tell you I've seen them in person. So, Maryland should be winning this game, and we have assumed basically the entire season that this was going to be a win. They're 5-6. and six. They need a win to, uh, to get bowl eligible, although even at 5-7, and seven, because of the way bowls work and how many of them there are, they still might get in anyway. DJ Durkin earned a lot of goodwill with a lot of the things he's done and the start to the season. And, of course, it's been tarnished a lot because of the way that they played against the better teams and then what's happened with Harrison and Turner. Uh, now you have game against Rutgers. And I don't care who's playing a quarterback, so even if it was Shane Cockrell, Maryland's got to win this game. Or otherwise, DJ Durkin loses pretty much all of the goodwill he built up at the start of the season with recruiting and the positive momentum that it certainly looks like is still there, Ryan. <laughs> But all that goodwill goes away if you lose to Rutgers. It is it is a must win in the worst possible way. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll say like, I mean, yes, Maryland should absolutely win this game. Um, you early in the season you could say, oh, there's no reason Maryland can't win this game. Well, you've seen Maryland the last couple of weeks, and who knows? Now, but this uh, being, now this being well, said, this being mm-hmm. said, we should mention. Rutgers scored no points against Michigan and Ohio State. Maryland scored three against each. Rutgers also scored no points against Michigan State, and Maryland beat them. Now, all I also should say, Rutgers was way more competitive with Minnesota than Maryland was, and that was on the road. So take it for what you will. Yes. um, I will, you know, the stretch that Maryland just went through is pretty much, I mean, that's the most brutal stretch. Uh, That's as brutal as any team is going to have to go through, you know, this entire season. Um, and my, you know, my only concern is, you know, if, if Maryland has Perry Hills, uh, that just makes such a big difference. And I think if they have Perry Hills, easy, you write it up, Maryland wins. If Maryland doesn't have Perry Hills, I think it's certainly just possible that, you know, the offense can't move the ball again, even against Rutgers, I know. And that you get all of a sudden this game is a close one. You know, like Rutgers played, I'm looking at their schedule, you know, because college football is ridiculous. They only lost, they lost to Iowa only 14 to 7. Uh-huh. That did happen. It did happen. You know, however, that looks very clearly to be an outlier in their season where they haven't scored a point in four separate games and 
Yeah, when you look at the, I mean, they lost to Michigan seventy-eight to nothing in what's I was like there. Trust it was me. the worst. I know what I saw. <laughs> it was the worst blowout in the millennium, if I recall correctly. So only, only very close, very closely topped another Rutgers blowout. Just in case you were all curious. Um, but, sorry for interrupting. It's just things about Rutgers football amuses me, and with family that is very, very indebted to the great state University of New Jersey. These are things that I'm well aware of. Well, I I apologize to your family, but um, I have still, it's, go on. it's um. You know, it's it's interesting to see these two programs as, you know, they both hired, you know, assistants from, you know, uh, Kyle Flood. That's his name. Chris Ash. Chris Ash. Chris Ash. Kyle Flood Chris was Ash. the other coach. Yes, of course. Um, uh, Chris the one Ash that was got fired last year. Yes. Well, Chris Ash was a coordinator at Ohio State. He DJ was the Durgan defensive was coordinator, coordinator at Ohio State. Michigan by Greg Schiano and Maryland hired Michigan's defensive coordinator. Yes. And you know, Rutgers is certainly a harder rebuild than Maryland is for, you know, just reasons that are obvious at this point. But um anyway, the grand point is yes, Maryland it's a must win, I, I guess, just because anytime you lose to Rutgers is it's just it's it's real bad. And this season, no. Rutgers, Rutgers okay. is real bad. You know, I'll say this. Losing to Rutgers in 2014 was bad, but Rutgers at least was competent that year. They had wins. They, like us, beat Michigan. Losing to Rutgers last year would have been annoying, but Maryland was already a tire fire, so it didn't matter, and had fired their coach. Losing to Rutgers this year would be one of the worst Maryland football losses in a very long time. It would be unacceptable to lose to this Rutgers team. I don't care what is going on with the quarterback, uh, Thomas. I think you'll agree. I mean, this Rutgers team is historically bad. And I understand that there's a lot going on there. And it's way, it's way more complicated than just Rutgers is, is total garbage. But Maryland can't lose, at home especially, Maryland cannot lose to this team. I don't care what's um, going on with the quarterback. They cannot lose to this team. I mean... I think it would be bad, but I think when you're dealing with the first season of a new coach, there's no, kind, there's just so. No. Wait, okay, wait, come on, let me let me finish, if I may. I think there's a lot of things you can overcome, and I think if you're a recruit, you thought Maryland was probably going to be worse than they were this season. Even you know, granted, the last few weeks have looked bad, but they were going to look bad all season. And I think you know, losing to Rutgers might affect recruiting, but one game in recruiting never affects as much as you think it would. I'm not saying that that is the biggest issue, and it might be an issue. I've never put too much stock in that, and I'm going to let Thomas jump in on this. Uh, losing to Rutgers is bad for all of the good, as I said up the top, all the goodwill that DJ Durkin has built up, and he's done a lot of things right with this program, and he's taken it from a point to where you know we respect it a little bit more than we had in the end of the Edsel years. A lot of that goodwill goes away if you lose to Rutgers, especially this Rutgers team. Yes, losing to Rutgers at any point sounds horrible, but there are team, there are Rutgers teams in the past that you would have lost to, and there was no shame in that. But if you lose to this Rutgers team, there's a lot of shame in that, and I think the goodwill that Durkin had built up, and you go into the offseason or even a very low-rung bowl game with a lot of 
bad will and a lot of ill feelings, and I don't think you want to do that. At least if you beat them, you're like, okay, we beat everybody that we were supposed to beat. We finished 6-6. Six and six. With all the crap that went on, that's fine, and we're going to a bowl game. But I, I just don't think that the optics look good if you lose to this Rutgers team. Thomas, what do you think? Well, um, well, you've made your point. Um, I, yeah, I, you're, you're, you're generally pretty right. This. You're generally right about it. Um, I think, well, just in a vacuum, losing to Rutgers isn't, you know, going to destroy everything. But the way this season has ended with all the blowout losses and, you know, to cap that off with, I believe, a five-game losing streak and yeah. to top it off with a loss to the worst Power 5 team there is right now and to not win that sixth game when you had five chances to do it, um, you know, that that would that would really, really hurt. Um you know, I don't know exactly to what extent it would affect anything like recruiting or um, really anything going forward, um, but it, it would definitely be a bad look. Maryland would get a lot of jokes hurled at him from uh, the annals of the internet, and it would be it'd be rough. It would be rough. So yeah, and I mean, I'll, I'll say I didn't, you know, I didn't say anything different. I, it certainly would be real bad, but I think it's, you know, it, and it would be sad, but it's something Maryland could still overcome. I'm uh, not. I perception-wise, I don't know if it's something you could over. It would take a lot well, to overcome it. But perception-wise, meaning meaning what? Outside. I mean, even not just outside. Who cares about outside perception? I'm talking about internal Maryland fans looking at the football program perception. I think a lot of the losses to the Ohio States and the like, they were excusable because Maryland doesn't have the talent to compete with them, right? And most people expected it to be bad. However, you lose this Rutgers team, you've got more talent than them, even with bad backup quarterbacks or two freshman backup quarterbacks. you got to be beating these kind of teams. And to be fair to Maryland, every team this year that they should have beaten, they did. All of their wins came against teams that they are clearly better than, and it's the same with Rutgers. All of the losses, maybe except Indiana, you can say, okay, all of these teams are way better than Maryland. The losses are acceptable. So, anyway... The game's on ESPN News, just like it was last week, so that nobody has to watch it. And to be in fairness, I'm not going to be watching much of it either for other football-related reasons. Uh, if you follow my Twitter account, you will know why I'm not uh, going to be watching that game. But let's shift gears to something a little bit happy, or maybe it wasn't that happy, I don't know. Uh, Maryland men's basketball, they're 4-0, Mr. Connors, but they struggled to get to 4 in that game against Towson. And the biggest takeaway from that game, there are two of them, uh, the first takeaway is Justin Jackson is amazing and is the best of the three freshmen right now. Uh, the second is Maryland's going to get bullied a lot by bigger teams, and it's going to produce a lot of results quite like that. Um, yes, I think, I mean, Justin Jackson was just, he just, he kept hitting threes. It was, I, you know, I didn't know he necessarily possessed that ability to do that, to hit from three that well right out of the gate. I know when I talked to him at media day, he was like, yeah, like three-point three shooting was, you know, really what coach had him working on all summer, um, which, you know, which can still mean that he has a long way to go, and he pretty clearly doesn't because he's, he's knocking him down. And I think the, the size and, re, you know, rebounding has been an issue. You know, rebounding was a big issue with this team last year. Um, but I think, you know, you have DeMonte Dodd, solid rebounder. I don't think there's any complaints with him. You're missing Michael Tchaikovsky right now, and I think it's pretty safe to say 
having another seven footer like that would definitely help the team's rebounding effort. Cause right now, half the time you're playing either LG Gill or even Bender at the five and neither of them are equipped to do that. I mean, Gill's just not, he just doesn't have the size. Um, he played practically on the wing when he's at Duquesne and, uh, you have Bender, who's still getting used to the college game. He's 6'9", which is, I think he's 6'9", um, which, you know, maybe you can pass for a center sometimes, but uh, he's still he's still working on everything. He's good defensively. Um, he, you know, he's a work in progress offensively, and his rebounding skills seem okay. But when you have him and then, you know, Justin Jackson is still working on rebounding as well. And he's, you know, he's got a pretty thin frame that he'll fill out eventually. But um, the rebounding and size is definitely a concern. I think when you have Dion and Michael Tchaikovsky back, hopefully that helps a little bit. Um, and yeah, I think it's these first couple games have been, you know, beating Georgetown was nice. It was it was it was maybe maybe a little bit of a surprise after the first game against American, but no, uh, it wasn't as much of a surprise because Georgetown gagged spectacularly and then promptly lost to Arkansas uh, State right after that. So, uh, well, I'd say that lot, was. I think it says. It, a lot I think th- those were both pretty day. surprising. I think that I think Georgetown lost more about Georgetown than it does Maryland. Well, even I mean G- Georgetown losing after that game didn't make it any less surprising because that hadn't happened yet, but. I mean Georgetown. I mean Georgetown rebounded, I think, and you know they beat. I want to say Oregon today they or did something. They beat Oregon today, yeah. Um, which you know doesn't you know by no means cancels out losing to uh, Arkansas State. Yes. yes. Uh, Walt Bell's alma mater, um, and yeah, I mean, but Georgetown's certainly no amazing team. I mean Maryland's probably gonna ha- Maryland's gonna lose lose a couple games. Georgetown will lose some games, but uh, the Towson game was surprising. In just Maryland, it's not not like they couldn't pull away. They were they were trailing for most of the second half, and they shouldn't be doing that against Towson. They were getting bullied Mm. down low by a team that, even without Tchaikovsky, didn't necessarily have a big size advantage, and that was uh, yeah, that wasn't great. But also, there, I mean, they were getting good looks against Towson that were simply not going into the basket. Yes. Let's see what their Maryland's um, effective field goal percentage right now is 259th in the country. That's definitely going to change because, yeah, I mean, you had Kevin Herter miss like four shots and he's, I mean, he's definitely a good shooter. You had, I think Mello and Justin Jackson may have hit the team's only threes in the game. Uh, And, you know, Mello's still, you know, his three point shot isn't still where you'd like it to be. Just, you know, no one, no one's hitting on threes at the moment. Not that twos are going especially great at the moment mm-hmm. either. But I think, you know, this team's had a slight bad luck shooting, although that certainly doesn't explain that much. But um, I mean, I think there's there's reason to expect the offensive output output to to uh, get better pretty soon. I'd say that, Thomas, maybe one of the biggest takeaways is we knew the size was, was going to be a bit of a problem. Maryland just doesn't have the personnel to deal with that. And they were a bad rebounding team even when they had the personnel. So I'm not surprised that they had issues with rebounding against Towson, who's a much bigger team, and tried to bully them. And it worked for a lot of the game until Towson ran out of steam and Maryland inevitably was going to come back. Uh, but the other issues, I think, you know, 
this is a team that's going to be relying a lot on streaky shooting. And when they go cold, they're going to have games like the one against Americans, mm-hmm. against Georgetown, and against uh, Towson. And I don't think that that's all, to be all that surprising. And this is still a very young team with the three best players that are not named Melo Trimble or all freshmen. So are you, you're, not, you're not worried about this, are you? I think a lot of this is just growing pains that comes with a young team and a bit of bad shooting luck. Yeah, I'm not more. I'm not any more worried, really, than I was at the beginning of the season. In the beginning of the season, I was, you know, optimistic about them, but you know, there was definitely that sort of doubt because you just don't know. You, you know, everyone knew about Melo Trimble to to an extent, really, and you know, the rest of the team was kind of a mystery. So now we've we've had four games. Uh, all the fr- all the the three freshmen look really good. Um, it doesn't look like all the pieces have like really fit together in the puzzle um but we didn't really expect them to because this is such a new group uh, a newly kind of put together group and so it's going to take time um eventually you'll you'll need to get a couple guys uh getting hot from three but um i don't really think it's going to be like a nightmare season for maryland which is incurred well, <laughs> depends on what Maryland fans' definition of nightmare is. Remember, this is a very, very expectant fan base and is still expected, even though many people have told them, please don't be. It's not worth it this year. Uh, but, Ryan, uh, there are a couple of games this week. Uh, first of all, Stony Brook, which you will be watching tonight. Of course, it's being released on Tuesday. And then the two games this weekend against Richmond on Friday night and then Kansas State or Boston College. Uh, you know... These are weird because Richmond is a lower team. They're kind of like Towson, but in many ways, you know, they're not Towson. And then you got Kansas State, and who is mediocre, and then Boston College, who went over in the ACC last year. So again, these aren't amazing teams that Maryland is playing. Uh, we, I ask this question to Matt all the time, and I'm going to ask it to you. What do you want to see in these games? Because again, the quality of competition isn't great, and Maryland has already proven. They're probably not up to speed yet. So what do you want to see from the Terps in these three games this week? Well, I mean, ideally, you'd like to see the uh, – you'd, you'd want to see Michael Joukowsky come back at some point. I guess he probably won't be back in one of these three games. Matt asked uh, Turgeon about it at the, press, at the post-game press conference after Towson and Turgeon really didn't have an update. Um, but I think you'd want, to, you'd want to see a guy like Dion Wiley – have a good game. He had a stomach virus, uh, so he missed the game against Towson. But he's still been uh, been very much getting used to playing again after um, after missing all of last season with the torn meniscus. But I think you, in general, you want to see an improvement in rebounding, which they did in the second half against Towson. But you'd like to see, you know, a solid effort on the boards all game. You'd want to see, um, you know, all the freshmen have been playing pretty well they didn't play as well against Towson but again you with freshmen they're not going to play great every game um so I think you're just going to want to see you want to see going to want to see more of a balanced attack that isn't all Melo Trimble and Johnson Jackson even if Trimble and Jackson end up being the team's leading scorers in most games I think you're going to want to see you're going to want to see a guy like Kevin Herter get some open looks which again isn't necessarily on Herter it's just on the teammates and Turgeon, you know, setting the right plays and getting him open. Um, but yeah, I think you want to see a 
more con- consistent offensive performance as well. The team went quiet for a little while against Towson. The defense seems like it's been fine so far. And yeah, those are those are the that's the random spew of consciousness that uh, that I just got. <laughs> well, that is this podcast in a nutshell: a random spew of consciousness. A couple of other sports uh, we want to mention. Oh, first of all, before we get that, by the way, you're probably going to be looking like crazy for the games on Friday and Saturday because they're being broadcast and produced by something called the American Sports Network, which is nothing you need to know about uh, unless you're a sports television nerd like me. Uh, the games are on Masson or Masson 2 in the DMV. That's all you need to know. Maryland's at 9.30 on Friday, and should they win on Friday night, which they should, they'll be on Masson, I think. So that's where you could find the games in case you were wondering where you had to look because in the Big Ten, you don't have to channel surf like crazy like you used to. Uh, so there you go. Two other sports we want to talk about. First of all, very sad that men's soccer lost in the just the stupidest way possible. They were up 3-1 and ended up losing 5-4 against Providence. That's very sad for a team that was unbeaten the rest of the way. They, they were even they were up 4-1 with uh, oh, they, in this in in the 4-1 in the 70th minute, I want to say. I don't think I thought it was 3-1 and then it was 3-2 and then 4-2. But I I I know this because uh, there's a certain Twitter joke among hockey fans of uh, it was four to one, and that didn't come up. So I think it was that they were up four two and then blew it, but I could be wrong. It's still very sad. Uh, it was a very good team that ended up just not being able to hold on, and they had a lot more to give than that. Uh, it's a dang shame. There's a lot of good players, and Sasha's a good coach. They'll have him back next year, but dang, that's a shame because, you know, you wanted to see them go unbeaten through an entire season, but that is so hard to do in any level of soccer. So that's a shame. But it was still an amazing regular season. Nevertheless, they won another Big Ten title. Uh, congrats to Sasha and company on the season. And now is the time for Thomas to talk about women's basketball because we haven't done that very often uh, on this podcast. So, Thomas, you get about two to three minutes to talk about whatever women's basketball topics are on your mind. So have at it. All right. Well, uh, first off, I will um, again plug the thing I wrote a couple weeks ago about Brianna Jones. Um, it's probably the hardest I've worked on any story. Uh, it's just kind of a, um, a rundown on her career, how she's got to where she's at. Uh, there's really a lot to her. Um, you know, her, you know, her sister's on the team. Uh, she's a pre-med major. Uh, wants to take the MCAT while she'll be preparing for the. Uh, potentially a WNBA season. Very interesting character. If you haven't read that, go. All right. And the team itself, obviously, Brianna Jones and Tori Walker Kimbrough, uh, one, probably one of the best duos in really the whole country. Uh, two seniors that really dominated last year. They'll do that again this year. They've both, uh, you know, looked great as expected in the first couple of weeks. I think really the big takeaway from the first four games is uh, freshman point guard Destiny Slocum. Um, she has looked fantastic. She scored 25 against Niagara, including 16 in the second quarter. Um, and she's really the most highly recruited or highly touted um, point guard to come in here since even Christy Tolliver. I think she's probably more highly touted than Lexi Brown was at the time, which is saying something. And she's really uh, lived up to that so far. Um, it's going to be a deep team. It's going to be a really fun team. Um, we, we've caught a lot of stuff about how weak their schedule is, and that's going to go away soon. They play Arizona State this weekend. They play Washington State this weekend. They play Louisville, ranked number five in the AP poll next week. So 
and it's going to be a very fun season. UConn, UConn is waiting in a little over a month. Um, that is in College Park. We'll be we'll be building up to that game for sure. UConn looks legitimate again, which I did not expect. Um, so I it's going to be a real fun UConn season. To look good. We'll have coverage, so stay tuned. Yes, stay tuned. So it is a lot of sports going on with Maryland, but that is what happens when we get around to Thanksgiving break. Uh, next week, hopefully, we'll have uh, Maryland win against Rutgers to talk about. Uh, podcast could be a little bit special next week, considering uh, who Maryland basketball is playing next. That might be a little bit of a hint as to what I'm planning, but we'll see where that goes from there. And again, hopefully, we'll have a football win to talk about as well and not <laughs> – starting to kick dirt on DJ Durkin, which I don't really want to do. But um, I, I will say this to end. First of all, have a happy Thanksgiving, and we're very thankful here for all of you who read the site and listen to this podcast. It's been doing very well this football season and basketball season, and we appreciate it. Uh, the final thing I will say before we end the show is, if you do not watch Maryland against Rutgers on Saturday, I, because there are many other things on that you should probably watch over that, including Michigan and Ohio State, Nobody is going to begrudge you for it, even if you have to go to the game. Uh, anyways, thank you very much, both of you, for being here. Have a very happy holiday, and enjoy the, and try to enjoy the games if you can. Yes, no, I, I I'm gonna enjoy it. It'll be, it'll be a fun game. I'm, I'm pretty confident in that. Uh, I don't think any, lots of things involving Rutgers are not fun. Football is really not fun, but regardless hey. of that. Both of Maryland's games in the both of Maryland's past two games against Rutgers have been pretty fun. So I'm, uh, uh, I wouldn't call the first one fun. I wouldn't even. Well, call I mean, the they were they were fun. both they were both the same kind of game. I think a giant comeback. A, gi- a giant comeback is usually pretty fun. Uh, depending on what side of it you're on. Uh, again, nobody's going to begrudge you if you don't actually watch the game. Not only because it's going to be on ESPN News. Uh, there will probably be no Maryland games on ESPN News in the future. This is a. a thing that's probably going to happen with the new TV deals. Anyway, hopefully you have enjoyed this show. Have a very, very happy Thanksgiving. Uh, but of course, no terms.